0: Perfect.
1: Awesome. Perfect. So we're going to go live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another chat and learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella, and I'm super excited to dive into this next hour with you. Uh, I had the pleasure of hosting our guest speaker once before. So I'm super excited to have her back. Um, And I don't want to waste too much time because you all are going to see that the hour is going to go by like this. Um, I see that you all are joining. um, And if you are just joining us, please go ahead and write in the chat box where you're calling from so we can see where we are in the world. Um, our guest speaker is in San Jose, California. I'm in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, go ahead and drop in the chat box where you're calling from. I see we've got some folks from Texas. Awesome, Buenos Aires. Go ahead and let us know where you're calling from um, so that when we dive into your questions, we can really just see you know, how many of us across the globe essentially uh, are really curious about this topic that we're gonna dive into today. Um, I just wanna go over a couple of housekeeping rules and then I'll shout everyone out in a minute. Um, but, Uh, You know, there are crazy things going on in the world, you know, we could spend a whole day talking about that. Uh, With that said, thank you for joining us for the hour. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule um, and learning, you know, how to develop your skills and hopefully make the world a better place. Uh, With that said, when you joined, your, your mute was on, just so that we can avoid any background noise. But I want you to feel free to share your voice at any point, turn your cameras on. Uh, you can take yourselves off of mute, you can chime in, thank you, Jane, I see you for turning your cameras on, awesome. Um, with that said, if anyone has any sensitive material, Uh, that they want to be kept anonymous, feel free to find me in the chat box. You can find me under Mariella. Um, And then the last thing that I'll say is, if you do speak up, uh, great. You will also be featured on our live recording. Um, And so this is being recorded live. You can watch this uh, playback on the Power to Fly uh, website, also on YouTube and on our socials. So make sure that you follow us. Uh, And then with that said, I'm going to pass the mic to our guest speaker because you all are going to just love Malika. I fell in love with her last time. She's so wise. She's got so many beautiful gems to drop um, for us today, especially this topic is super chewy. So I'm going to pass the mic to you, Uh, Malika. Let us know a little bit about yourself, how you came to know about Power to Fly and what you're excited to share with us
0: today. Thank you, Mariala. You are just amazing. The entire team at Power to Fly, uh, you know how much I love you guys. This is just great for me to be coming back uh, for the second session. Um, I have been, uh, you, you know, using power to fly myself for the last two years, especially after I moved into leading, uh, the team that I was working with as an IC and suddenly one day I was supposed to manage people and I needed a lot of guidance and support from the community and power to fly was my go-to like all these chat and learn sessions, the panel sessions, the videos, um, the material on power to fly is so relevant. I've used it myself and when i decided okay when i have something authentic to share i would like to come and talk about it so um, this topic uh, is very um it's very intriguing for me uh, it's uh, it's something that i spend a lot of my time thinking critically about these days and uh, it was not like i came into my management journey knowing how to delegate well in fact i sucked at it um i can tell you those stories if you get the time for that but um, Uh, I learned it and it was an acquired skill and that was because I was getting mentored and, you know, I had great coaches uh, inside and outside my company. And the moment I started practicing those skills, I was like, this is just changing the game. It's changing the perspective uh, uh, at which I look at my team and it's it's a true superpower, right? It's something that can take you to that next level. Um, and that's why I am so happy to be sharing that with you. Uh, of course, I work for big and small companies, and the styles are very different. Uh, at least my current stop uh, is, you know, a startup, and being a small company, the styles are so dynamic. There's so much chaos going on all the time, um, so it's a different style. Uh, I'll, be go, I'll be joining Twitter uh, uh, this month-end, and that's a big company and i'm sure i'll have to change some of my styles when i go there but the core principles of delegation uh, i think that's what i want to share with you today and i'm super excited to do, do that
1: <laughs> beautiful awesome well i'm really excited um, that you are willing and and able to get real with us be vulnerable with us you know share i know you said later on you'll share some more of your personal journey Uh, as far as how you've been able to navigate these waters and also congratulations on, you know, all of the beautiful things that that you are doing so far and that are coming soon. So with that said, uh, I'm just gonna jump into this round of questions uh, here that we've submitted offline. We're gonna take them one by one. Uh, If you've joined us before for a chat and learn, you'll be familiar with that. So we're just gonna present it on the screen. Uh, If this is your question, for example, we'll start with this one. If this is your question that you submitted, feel free to come off of mute or add to the chat box if you want Malika to dive in deeper. If this is not your question and you would like to, you know, add your two cents or maybe ask Malika to dive deeper, share something about your personal journey, again, feel free to come off of mute. I'm gonna sound like a broken record by the end of the chat because I want you all to, you know, take this moment uh, and make it as useful as you can. So let's start with this first question, Malika. Uh, What's the difference between delegating and demanding? How much of successful delegation relies on tone, word choice, or the medium of the message?
0: Yes, uh, great question, right? Uh, It's a very obvious uh, thought process as well, because uh, when uh, I'll start with a story. Uh, When I approached uh, management for the first time, in fact, I didn't understand anything about delegation and there is so much on the internet about it. Um, uh, i initially thought it's just something that you know uh, you can do but you want someone else to do and you need to figure out who is right for the right task and um, hand it over to them right and it's very easy to confuse it with uh, um, asking people to do something from a place of authority uh, because that's what it comes across right Uh, you have a team and uh, you you could do it but now you have a team who could do it for you so why not just give it to them so there is if you really think about it there's an underlying sense of authority and that's where the demand comes from it's like saying uh you know these are the deadlines we have these are the goals we have can we can we have you do it um, so but that's the uh that's uh that is such a wrong way to approach it um the, the fact of the matter is that delegation is not a goal in itself. It's just a tool so that uh, you can bring your leadership as a service. You know, at the end of the day, uh, and this is another talk that I gave, right, I'm a huge proponent of servant leadership. In fact, in a creative business like the tech field, there is no other way Um, if you don't practice servant leadership, what else will really drive high performance in the long term. Right. So it's always about bringing leadership as a service and approaching delegation as um, Something that can enable your team and empower your team to uh, really bring their best selves to work. So Simple things like tone, word choice, right? These two things, think about it from a very philosophical perspective. Um, uh, for me, example, for example, uh, my core principle is that I never want to get angry and I never want to come across as an egoist. You know, ego is out of my life. Uh, personal life, sometimes it still comes in the way, but professional life, no, there's no place for it, right? Anger, same thing. I mean, uh, sometimes at home, I can still have that um, uh, privilege to kind of show a little bit of it. But as such, I don't want anger in my life, especially in my professional life, there's no place for it. So these being the core principles, if you make your tone elegant, always think about taking the high bridge, right? Like there are always better ways to say the same thing. Uh, Instead of just typing out that email, instead of immediately saying something, just take a 30 second uh, breathing uh, moment and just practice some calmness to it and choose better words. You know, English is a beautiful language that there, there is a vocabulary. Just choose a better word. Look for better synonyms. Say the same thing with a little bit of more creativity and, you know, uh, like make it uh, a practice to do everything slightly better, right? And... There are so many um, things that one can uh, uh, do to actually make that more effective. So tone and word choice, in my opinion, there is no uh, uh, you know, reason to not be the best version of yourself. Medium of message. This is a very interesting thing. You need to pick the right medium, you know, especially now because everything is remote and different companies, especially small companies have used email. Sometimes I've used, um, you know, slack a a lot. Um, Sometimes it's just about uh, going by someone's desk, which we cannot do now. So you need to choose the right medium of message. Even that has to be towards, um, you know, the more elegant side. That's when a delegation can be effective. It's never demanding. There is no confusion about it. Uh, because demanding can work for this release, right? Uh, but then what about the long term? What about six months? What about eight months? So always remember that it's about developing people through delegation and then uh, uh, getting the work done. It's about getting those work done, which is in line with the company's goals and mission and vision. Um, and. You always have to think about, you know, your reputation is at stake. So what you say, the tone, the word choice, it's who you are and who do you want to be, you know, through every email, through everything you say. So if you approach it like this as a service and delegation is just one of the things that you need to do in your job, then there is no need to confuse it with demanding at all. Because I, I, it might feel like it works for the short term, it's definitely not going to work in the long term. People will not respect. There won't be uh, trust. There won't be high performance. So I would say just approach leadership as a service and think long term.
1: All right. So remember, I see people writing away and nodding their heads. And remember, I told you all she's going to drop so many gems today. Um, and I'm I'm also taking notes just to make sure that I can um go back on a couple of things that you're that you're expressing that i think are so important we've talked about this before where one of my favorite topics to talk about especially in the world of tech is emotional intelligence right and empathy and i love that you use that in, in the core Kathy, of how i'm over here oh sorry about that i think someone jumped off of you hi <laughs> um i love that you use that on your your approach as far as you know keeping this a holistic vision uh and not for example, trying to be someone else that, you have, that, that adds actually constant work. I love that you're saying your life will actually be easier. You will be more respected. People will trust you if you can hold on to who you are. And then who do you want to be? I love that you're putting that question up. I don't know what, I, don't, I, I can't quote you exactly because you were going super quickly, but you said something about uh, there's, there's no reason to play the wrong version of yourself or something like that um, or to choose the wrong version of yourself that is a beautiful way to also look at it because I find that when we are working with, I've also had to change my language. You're not working for someone, you're working with someone. This, you know, this is a partnership. So I love that you're you're questioning language as well, because to see, uh, to see this as a partnership, you you, it's a ebb and flow. It's a give and take, uh, and you're not sacrificing a part of yourself to then be able to lead a group of people. I love that you're saying use it as a tool and a service, which also commands that you practice it and that you're always learning and being curious instead of, you know, you've reached the the end of the sentence, there's nowhere to go. And that just keeps things very either slow or or toxic even because you're not growing. Okay. So who wants to jump in before we go to the next slide? I see Jane, you've taken yourself off of mute. Did you want to ask a question?
2: I love, love all this. And I was like, I was like, oh, should I just try to not, get catch next time. Like, no, whatever else can wait. I'm so glad that I decided to put everything else on hold and just come Malika. You are amazing. I like everything you said about what was it? Be the best version of yourself. So my son inspires me to wake up and be the best version of myself every day. So when you said that, I'm like, (gasps) sister, I hear you. Um, And then the other thing um, that you said about not being angry and, you know, your ego has to stay out of it. So for me, like I'm learning how to communicate, I'm learning how to be patient, I'm learning how to be flexible. And, and those things are so hard for me. Um, But one of the things that I learned through therapy this year was acceptance. And with acceptance, it doesn't mean you have to like it or even agree. You just accept it so you can keep moving forward. So I'm just, I'm just going to be a sponge and just soak it all up. Um, So I am taking notes, but I'm listening.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Jane. Thank you for sharing that. This is exactly what we look forward to, right? It's really engaging if you guys participate. So thanks for sharing those thoughts. Um, I 100% agree. It's, it's, you know... um, if you're not accepting, then there are so many biases going around right and I used to do this when I started off as well because I was coming from 10 years of core backend experience in the tech industry. So I was full of biases in my head and I would approach delegation from that seat of bias which would make it really difficult for me to be effective at my job. And then, of course, I learned certain things to get out of it. But the moment you practice being acceptable, you will understand that your biases are actually coming in the way of being productive and you're not doing a good job at whatever it is, in this case, delegation. So that's that's, that's definitely a huge point. Thanks for sharing that, Jane.
1: Yes, and we are at... Um, I'm doing so much. I have, you all know Harari, like on my interview YouTube playlist, and I'm reading his books right now. And I love that one of the the things that I'm just getting from all of the different books that I'm reading. I'm reading a, a, a nice kind of smorgasbord of different, you know, kinds of, you know, fictions, nonfiction memoirs. Um, and what I'm realizing is we are at a crossroads where actually we need, uh, we need a different kind of leadership. And I think that the easiest way to see, uh, just as far as on a global level, um, it it seems like the only way to get to some sort of um, colorful resolve is to continue to add these viewpoints on how do I approach leadership? How do I include more voices? How do I stay curious and how do I, you know, um, be my truest self. I love that you're, you're ringing on all of these questions here. So let's move on to this next question. Um, and again, if anyone wants to hop in, write in the chat box. I see that we're calling from, from all over. Um, so thank you for writing on the chat box. I see California, Oklahoma, Argentina, uh, Texas. Awesome. So I'm so happy that you all are here today. All right. So this next I wanna, question we got. Can I add one oh, more thing?
2: Absolutely. You were talking about bring your best self to work. So one of my favorite people is uh, Mike Robbins. I don't know if you guys have read this book, but I absolutely adore him. So I recommend this book.
1: Awesome, thank you so much, Jane. Love it, love it. I love that you got like a show and tell too. I'm waiting on the next thing for you to pull out. Um, Okay, so is delegation easier when you're managing a larger team or a smaller group? Should your tactics or methods for delegation change based on on the group size? And are some styles better suited to certain types of tasks or your specific industry?
0: Yes, uh, this is a very thoughtful question. Um, You know, I can see someone who has gone through uh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, a small company or a medium sized company and seen a couple of transitions asking this uh, question because I went through uh, some of these things myself. Um, So I would say uh, there is a backstory to it, right? Uh, And uh, uh, very briefly, it's this, that, you know, there is a sweet spot for number of people that can report to uh, report directly to a manager um, and once it starts getting bigger then uh, the team uh, uh, you know the management has to do some kind of thinking soul searching and figure out, hey, do we need to have an organizational breakdown? Do we need to break down these teams? Do we need to merge teams? Um, is it too big? Is five people OK? Is 10 people OK uh, reporting to a manager? How big should it be? All that is there, right? Uh, but most of the time, says mani- so if someone's doing that, it's very good in the company. Uh, but what happens sometimes, and uh, I think that's where this question is coming from too, is uh, as managers, we don't have uh, uh, a control over that. Sometimes uh, you just have like a big team given to you or over time, uh, the team might grow, right? Uh, And uh, especially in a startup or a medium-sized company, it can happen that you are directly managing a group of let's say 10 people. And uh, sometimes you also have other responsibilities like your hands-on and you're also technically more uh, involved. So um, I would say this. Uh, so first of all, if it is a team which is of five people or less, have a one-on-one relationship. You know, um, it's mostly like um, I. Uh, what I do is I have a matrix uh, where I have every team member, and I have. Uh, uh, The column which records their strengths. And this I would have recorded over the period of time from my discussions uh, with them uh, during one on ones, feedback sessions, coaching, um, uh, all these uh, meetings that I have with them. I record their strengths, I record their areas of improvement, and I have their name against it, right? And I take that every time I'm talking to them. It's a consistently evolving document. So if it is a team of five people, maintaining this information is really easy for me because I exactly know when I need to delegate a task, I can say that, hey, you know what, here is this task. Uh, uh, the 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 management doesn't need uh, this to be delivered uh, immediately. There is some time right uh, on this. There is a little bit of buffer. And here is this person who has the aptitude for it, but doesn't have the current skill set. I'm willing to grow this person. So that's why delegating this task to this person is the right thing, even though he doesn't have the current skill set, he has the potential to do it. Similarly, sometimes if I know that, oh my god, here is this person who's like really good at this particular skill, and I want it like in two days, then it's a no brainer. I'm going to assign it to the person who's an expert on it because the velocity is very high, right? The velocity requirement is very high. So delegation is this for me where I'm consistently Matching the potential, uh, which is the uh, uh, where there is a lack of current skill set, but there is a lot of potential, enthusiasm, energy and willingness to learn. And um, based on that, I'm delegating that task. And sometimes it's the current skill set. If it's a small team, it's really easy to do do this through your one on ones. Um, But as the team starts getting bigger, it starts getting a little difficult. So uh, that time, what I would say is uh, and Uh, there are two parts to delegation, right? One is assigning the right tasks to the right people. And after that, how do you stay effective by monitoring it correctly? Uh, How do you make sure you're not coming in the way of your engineers? How do you stay out of it, but still get the right statuses? How do you know it's progressing correctly? So that's the second part to delegation. One without the other will fall apart. So, and that requires time. So if the team starts getting bigger, Uh, I would say, uh, and it's worked for me, uh, is you just select champions, you know? So you have projects, right? Like, uh, uh, so today if I'm uh, dealing with a team of 11 people, uh, and there are projects inside the team that are happening, I select champions. So for a project of like, like, let's say four people, there is a GraphQL project happening where there are four people. There's a tech lead and two senior engineers and one software engineer. I just say that, hey, uh, based on the skill and will level, you are the champion for this project. Why, why don't you give me all the statuses every uh, day uh, as in the daily standups? You tell me what is going on. Um, I will get the data. If something doesn't match, then I'll talk to the engineers. But otherwise, I'm just staying out of my engineer's way. Because, you know, um, I've elected a champion. Um, It's empowering them. It's also growing them, right? It's giving them responsibility or thinking about their career growth with every move you make as a manager. But the champion gets to decide, uh, you know, how... Uh, what information should be shared with the leader, what is required. And I ask the right questions to make my decisions. And it's easier for me to go to one person than four engineers. So like that, I have like two, three champions inside my team. So this is one great way to. Uh, it's called as the Rocky framework. It's it's very popular and it's not my thing. It's just on Google you can Google it. But it's it works really well, especially not only when the team gets big, but also uh, during cross functionals because you you don't have authority all the time when you're leading a cross functional and you're dealing with a big team. So having champions really work uh, really works well. Um, then, is, are there different styles? Definitely, you know, like I work for big and small companies. And I know that even in a small company, my, my startup grew from being a 20 engineer company to a 60 engineer company. And we saw so many changes. The thing is, software industry is a very creative industry. We don't know that, but we are not like a financial sector or an assembly line or um, an automotive industry. It's not traditional at all, right? It's like writing code and having these complex, scalable uh, distributed systems. It's very more creative than not. So as a manager, it's more like, uh, how do you inspire, influence, and facilitate growth inside your team? So for that, Whatever you don't focus on the processes right just focus on the goals. Um, And uh, this electing champions really works. And uh, there is one hidden point in this question, you know, if if you feel like your team is getting too big, you might be ready for your next thing as well, maybe Uh, you know, uh, you have a team this big because you're really capable as a leader, right? Otherwise, your management wouldn't trust a big team with you. So, you know, you are in a very strategic position to uh, maybe break the team into two parts and go one level up. You can maybe move into senior management. Um, And that way, you have two direct report managers managing to you. Uh, And it's it's a typical way for you to grow in your career. So you need to keep thinking about this. So instead of uh, looking at uh, a big team as a disadvantage, it can work for you for uh, and for your team's growth. So um, is it challenging? It is because you know, uh, we are all uh, successful when we are making the right decisions and to make right decisions, you need data. Um, So managing a bigger team is definitely a little more challenging, but look at it as uh, a potential for growing your career. That's what I would say.
1: Beautiful. Okay. So I've got a couple of follow-up questions and if anyone on the line does as well, uh, you can start to write them in the chat box uh, and you can also come off of mute and share it with your with your own voice. But I, I wanted to ask you, so this is interesting. I love that you select champions. So just because I have worked in schools often and I see kind of like the, the natural competition that comes when like one person gets something, you know, that the others don't, in this case a title of a champion, how do you foster um, like a holistic competitive culture within your team so that, you know, you, uh, you know, essentially are helping everyone grow uh, and not feel left behind?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Thanks for this question. This is uh, this will uh, highlight some of the things that I have spent time thinking about. So the thing about champions is it doesn't always. So first of all, there are two things, right, uh, that I see. One is the skill level and the other is the will level. Um, This has helped me a lot because um, the thing is uh, when all these uh, servant leadership, delegation, managing your social capital, all these things are like just words uh, to uh, make sure that you are building a high performance culture right uh, and high performance with respect to productivity uh, and a culture where the team thinks about each other so um, uh, what happens is uh, in every uh, thing that I do, I like to uh, keep in mind the culture because um, if the, the culture is like the f- uh, fundamental building block, right, if you're not thinking about that, somewhere something starts smelling wrong and it starts becoming so big and out of control. So I feel like even if nothing else, if I'm thinking about getting the culture right with every decision I make, then that's not a bad day. So even in selecting champions, I feel like measuring that right mix of skill and will level is very important. So what do I mean, right? Skill is where, you know, that person has a lot of strengths and uh, uh, he's clearly like the expert in that area. It's a no brainer for me to select that person for this because the majority of the programming or whatever the technical work is requires that skill. Will level is how how badly do you want to do this job? Does it mean something for your career growth? Have we talked about it in our coaching sessions and in our one-on-ones? Does this uh, uh, meet your aspirations uh, so that you can grow in your uh, career, right? So, and willingness can come from New hires uh, fresh grads, uh, sometimes uh, they are just enthusiastic and energetic, then they're probably not yet ambitious, but they're very energetic. I want to do everything kind of an attitude. So that is willingness as well. So, um, and then I have to map it to that task. So Sometimes if it's a cross functional, which needs to be delivered within a week, and there are five more teams on the table like marketing uh, system test operations and, um, you know, of course, engineering and let's say uh, support right so this is a big cross functional, then I will have to decide. How much uh, buffer do I have to let go of the skill level and uh, how much buffer do I have to uh, accommodate that willingness and then uh, make the right choice because the thing is, if you're just selecting people with the highest skill level, then uh, you're fostering a culture where Only the same person is growing all the time, right? And my idea is that I don't want followers in my team. I want everyone to think like a leader. In fact, the less they need me, the better, you know. So um, they should be able to make those decisions. And that's my job, like to really uh, make them think about the higher level stuff. And if they can act as leaders, then that's great for me. So I need my uh, engineer who's just two years into the job to develop this champion skill set, right, they should be able to take rest because what does it mean to be a champion, they need to uh, show accountability, responsibility, they need to do a little bit of leadership as well, uh, and uh, uh, maybe 5% of project management, uh, right, so there are a lot of skills that that person is learning, and those are all important. Um, For a software engineer to then become a senior engineer and then become a staff engineer. So through selecting my champions, I'm also growing my people. Because, you know, I don't, I'm not mothering a team, right? I'm not like, I'm not here to take care of uh, them. It's I want them to grow. I want them to think about their career. I want them to be ambitious because that's who I am, you know. So um, if I'm still doing this job, that means that um, I'm on that pursuit where they need me less and less. Um, I'm out of their way. So selecting champions is that task for me. That's why I'm saying delegating is important so that you can free up your cycles to do these kind of things. I want to spend time thinking, you know, who can be the next champion? Why is this person not having enough leadership skills? Can I make him a champion for this upcoming project? Let's see how he reacts to this. So I want to spend my cycles doing that, not writing code or knocking off Jira tasks or, you know, I can do that because I've done that for 10 years, but, that's not where my highest value is. So, um, I, ideally, the champion should, everyone should get a chance to champion a project uh, in a year, right? However small or big it is, I get to decide that. But uh, everyone should have that experience. It should not be one person all the time. So, yeah. Oh,
1: you're making my heart sing, and I see people are nodding their heads. I awesome. love
0: this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. These questions are really great. They're thought provoking.
1: Yes. Does anyone want to hop in here before we move on to the next question? We've got about 30 minutes left, so let's use this time to shine. Uh, Anyone want to chime in with Malika here?
2: I love everything you're saying. I actually, when I um, I was in the wine industry for eight years, when I hired my lead um, I told her that you're going to replace me. Uh Um, so when I hired her and it was funny how I found her, she was actually a server at a restaurant that I really enjoyed. Um, and I saw that she had so much potential and she was there like five years and she just wanted to be promoted and her manager was not having it. Uh And so he actually got, angry at me for taking her, and I said, well, if you took care of her, I wasn't taking her from you, and so she was my lead, um, and then shortly after that, about, um, because she was still going to school, so she was part-time, and then I hired, and then she got promoted to lead, and I'm like, if I don't go anywhere, you're not going anywhere, so I left so she could be the supervisor, Um, and then she grew. (laughs) And then she outgrew it too because there was no room. I left because there was no room for me to grow. Um, so she same thing happened to her. I think uh, two years after I left, there was no room for her to grow. So she left as well. And we're just like she's like my sister. I love her so much. Um, and just um, it was it was her old manager's um, loss and my gain when I met her and knew that she just she would she is just positive energy, just exuding. And all she wanted was this title so she could put on her resume. And I'm like, no, honey, you are worth so much more than that. Um, and that's just a shame that they didn't see that, but they were actually angry with me. Um, they called me and said, how dare you, um, steal my employee? I was like, well, I didn't steal her. And if you had taken care of her, she wouldn't have been enticed with my job offer.
0: Yeah. So No, uh, this, this uh, speaks to two points, you know, because uh, leaders who are delegating really well, right, they share insight, they can look um, at a person and say that this is what you can be in the next five years, you should do this. And sometimes they don't see it, but the leader should see that. And uh, the, the good leaders are doing that. And then Fanning the flame, right? Like uh, just facilitate growth. You will always see this. At least I have done the study of all the great leaders that I know. People are growing under them all the time. That's a good indication that they're good at delegation. They're good leaders because not only are they growing, but they're also letting the people inside. Sometimes they leave the company and that's fine, but uh, people are growing under you, right? And growth is such a hard thing to facilitate especially in the valley because there is there is just so much um, talent and like so many bad managers around growth is not so easy so it's really a high value thing if you see that happening that's your indication that this leader has something good going on over here so those two things that you said jane just speak to those two points right you had that insight and you were fanning that flame of growth which is which are hard things to do so cheers to that. Thank you. One of my
2: other biggest complaints is I feel like not everyone is a people manager and a lot of companies use that as a retention tool. So in the role that I was in, um, that I left, I was in um, learning development in HR and that just aggravated me because they would use that as a retention tool, but then not give those people managers the tool to be people managers. Mm-hmm. not everyone's cut out to be a people manager. They could be project managers, but not people managers. And so that was one of like the biggest challenges for me. Um, for example, someone I know <laughs> was not a people manager. <laughs> and it, it just, it turned out very poorly for the team and everyone else around. And, and I had uh, voiced my opinion about that person. You know, maybe this person just needs to be a project manager and not a people manager. And they didn't like that. But in my last role, I actually helped a lot of employees kind of cultivate their career path and what they wanted to do and gave them the skill sets at maybe what they want to do. They didn't know they had the option. They just got this job and they're like, oh, this is what I'm doing and this is my path. And once I was like, no, actually, what do you really want to do? You know, tell me about your dreams, you know, what you want to do. And they're like, actually, I'm doing this, but I would love you know, like they were in production, they're like, actually, I would really love to be in sales or marketing. And I'm like, let's get you there. What do you need? And yeah. so um, I loved that part of my job. I didn't, I, I quit my boss. I didn't quit my job.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. I love this. I love that we're giving real life uh, examples and just seeing the power of of uh leadership using emotional intelligence right like stepping out of your own way and i love malika that you started this conversation by by acknowledging that there is a lot of ego in leadership and how that is uh something that goes against everyone in the end uh and and i love that we're seeing examples from that here so um thank you so much i love that also jane you brought this up because as you're speaking about that, I see it also from the person who is in that position, right? Uh, who they enter in a position, and you know, let's say Jane, that you didn't, you didn't leave. We all, we often say on Power to Fly is like, leave the door open. Let you know, don't just get where you are and then be like, see ya. You know, not not gonna be enough women ever in this in this industry because doors are being closed and you're not making space at the table. And I love that you're saying. Uh, you could no longer grow, so you didn't hold on to it and, you know, until you couldn't anymore for the sake of what? I guess essentially ego and you left so that this person, so you could first find your continuation of, of, your, of your career and then this person could step into that role. So I love that. Um, okay, I see some books writing in the chat box as well. I'm gonna move on to this next question here. We've got uh, a little under 30 minutes left. So again, if you wanna write things in the chat box, feel free to do so. Uh, you can also come off of mute, uh, but let's hop into this next question. Is it possible to delegate too much?
0: No, 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 there is nothing like too much delegation. This I'm strongly opinionated, you know, uh, and uh, uh, arguably, maybe, but uh, in my experience, I just feel like there is nothing like too much delegation. Uh, and um, even asking that question right if i think about it uh, a little bit more uh, and i have done it uh, uh, it's like you know i've always felt uh, that was another question as well so i've i've gone through that i always felt guilty uh, delegating too much and uh, seeming as if oh i don't have things to do um that is itself um a point of uh, um uh, I wouldn't say concern, but an opportunity for us to think. See, the thing is, uh, whether we like it or not, at least in the computer science industry, most of the managers have come from being ICs, right? We were all either senior or staff engineers, and we were all uh, fairly decent at what we were doing. Uh, like, I w- I was doing uh, core systems, C programming, systems-level networking, back-end work for 10 years. And then, so I was a very... Um, Um, you know, a passionate uh, individual contributor. And when I was an IC, the highest value thing that I could bring to the table was writing key code, right, like refactoring libraries, building the best CI CD pipelines, worrying about performance to the last bit, um, uh, picking the right data structures, writing uh, graceful API designs, data modeling. So For me, from the world I came, I was like, hey, this is the highest value thing I can do. So, you know, uh, when I became a manager, uh, all that was still reminiscing in my head, right? That's all I knew for all these years. So I was like, you know, if I'm uh, giving away all of this more and more to my team, if my team is doing everything, what am I doing, you know? Um, So what am I here for just to kind of facilitate and do the project management? So initially I went through that phase where, you know, I would feel like, oh, I probably am delegating too much. I don't have anything on my plate. What am I, can I knock off some Jira bugs? Can I do a little bit of this library work? Hey, I wrote this code. Can I help you with this, right? I was playing. So that's where that question of delegating too much comes from, but then, I realized, um, it took me a while, but I realized that if I wanted to become a successful manager and not get stuck in that mediocrity, which by the way, is, uh, um, it's rampant in management, right? It's so easy for you to remain a mediocre manager and get stuck in that first line management and never grow your career. The only way you can do that is figure out what is high value now. You know, what, what are you supposed to do? And I realized that, you know, the best use of my time is not in writing code or uh, helping the team with uh, the bottom line, right? It's about, um, uh, influencing them, making them think about their career, uh, being that amazing coach, you know, seeing things for them before they see it. Um, it's about uh, developing them through the tasks that we have. It's always about mapping the vision, goals, and the mission of the company to the aspirations of the team members. And that's my job. That's where my high value job is. Um, and that encompasses everything, right? Like effective delegation, Um, So that I can free my cycles. I don't want to do certain things because I have other things to do. I don't want to be spending eight hours writing code or let's say even four hours in a day writing code and doing uh, deep code reviews uh, when I can do so much more for my team. And what is that so much more? It's not like you're delegating just for the sake of it, right? Uh, If you're delegating it correctly, your team is growing. That's the sign of good delegation. And then after delegation, what are you using your team uh, time for as a manager? I can do so much more coaching, I can do so much more training, I can be invested in, you know, um, uh, developing aspirations in my team, bringing their best selves to work, because it's like uh, managing a group of painters, right? It's not like I can say, paint the face first, paint uh, the body next, paint the background now. It's like, making sure they have all the right tools, the right canvases, right uh, uh, brushes, right paints, everything and, uh, you know, getting out of their way to see how creative they can get. And if they're not creative enough, can I build in more creativity? Can I uh, introduce them to some of the higher level concepts in life, right, like critical thinking? um, And because because if you do critical thinking, you will be a better engineer at work. If you're if you a product-minded engineer, you'll, you'll write better code every day. If you're thinking about emotional intelligence, you will build a better team culture as a tech lead. And you're not just worried about bossing over others. So that's where I come in as a manager. So there is nothing like too much delegation. Delegate as much as possible, if not more so that. What are you delegating, right? You cannot delegate stuff like building trust, growing people, uh, managing your discomfort. These things, by the way, you have to do it yourself. You have to sit with your team, build the trust. You have to sit with your team, grow them. You have to manage your own discomfort, your ego, your, um, uh, your social capital. You're only delegating tasks that the team is good at. You know, they are good at writing the code. Let them do it. They're good at designing stuff. Let them do it. So um, I have figured out that I am going to my job is to delegate the tasks that the team is good at doing whatever they're not good at doing. I will develop them. And that's what I need the time for. Right. Um, That's why it's there is nothing like too much delegation. The more time you create for yourself. Use that time to do more coaching and uh, Andy Grove said that in his classic book high High output management, right? He said training is the highest leverage coaching or training or feedback is the highest leverage thing for a manager. So you never have enough time for it, by the way. So, uh, you know, everyone needs support, right? And the way you give support is through radically candid feedback, coaching. Uh, managing your social capital if you want to grow in a company you should know your peers you should you know know how to play that uh, you know people call it passive politics, but I say it's managing social capital, you should know when to spend your credits and when to not like, you know, uh, bother using them just so that you are uh, putting yourself and your team in a strategic position. All this requires time, right? So if you are delegating more, very good, use that time to do all this. So stop thinking about there is no upper limit to delegation. Um, the more you do, the more you can grow in your career, because these are higher level things. The moment you start doing more of the higher level things, you are on your journey up. So uh, I think that's the way to think about it. At least for me, I'm a strong believer in this.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Malika. So I hear, uh, without you, sometimes you say the word and sometimes you, you are kind of all all fingers are pointing towards uh, the concept of time and how to use time essentially. Um, Can you speak about time as far as time management, but even also with just the velocity of how, of the expectation of delivery in the modern world, how do you not get run over by time? How do you not use time to run over people and effectively take this holistic approach that you're speaking about? Yeah, because so many people do struggle with that, especially as, you know, as managers, and, and you reflected earlier that there are a lot of managers that aren't really balancing uh, their, their teams well. Um, so mm-hmm. can you just talk a little bit about time uh, just under the umbrella of this whole topic? How, does, how can we be mindful of it and also use it in a holistic way?
0: Yes, yes. Um, so uh, I would start with saying that Uh, A leader has to be really ambitious, you know, Uh, uh, like, for example, I have so many things that I want to do with my time, even at work or in general in life, but let's not get to life, right? Like, let's, let's stay focused on professional life. Even in my professional space, I have so many things I want to do for my team, for my company, so many initiatives. Uh, you know, be, there are, uh, if, if you're working for the right company, then um, there are areas in which you can bring your skills and expertise and help uh, growth, right? So ambition is very important. What that will do is, it will let you prioritize your time. And uh, uh, first of all, everyone knows that human life is finite, right? It's not like time is an infinite resource. That's the problem. So if you have so many things you want to do, and if there is only limited time, there comes the concept of prioritizing. So the moment you start uh, elegantly uh, dancing uh, that, uh, 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 you know, that, uh, uh, that um, it's it's really like an elegant dance that you do um, knowing your priorities and um, the things that you want to do right it's a, it's a very uh, fine balance but uh, once you find that out the next step that will happen is you'll respect uh, not only your time it will become valuable to you there is no time for slack now right everything is about uh, uh, it's not becoming uh, paranoid about efficiency, but you you're more or less wanting to build a highly efficient life for yourself. And you start respecting other people's times as well, like your team's time, uh, your direct reports time, your stakeholders time, products time, everyone's time. So this is the first principle, I think, you know, Uh, someone who's ambitious, who has prioritized correctly, and it's a consistent process, you do that every day, And then you respect your time and the others. After this comes the processes and strategies to put in place, right? So for me, what I do is my Google calendar is always up to date. Not a single time is it out of sync. They all the time know, where is Malika? Do I need to even slack her? Um, Or does she have an out of office uh, thing for these 15 minutes, right? They know exactly where I am and whether I can be reached. So that's one thing. And then uh, I time box, like, let's say I am doing a review of a code review and I need um, uh, some quiet time. I time box like two hours where, you know, uh, there are certain high priority tasks that can interrupt me, but otherwise uh, they can expect that I won't get back to them for the next two hours because my calendar says that the time box is also reflected on the calendar. And then, um, Uh, Leading the way right like be in time for the meetings and then reward that behavior instead of punishing bad behavior. I found that rewarding good behavior is so much better. So if someone is coming to uh, uh, The meetings at the right time and they're respecting each other's time they're on uh, you know On the dot and they're respecting uh, meeting deadlines reward that behavior because it's important for the team to understand that not only your managers time, but your all your team uh, members time is also very important if you have had uh, if you have scheduled a 30 minute meeting. Keep the meeting to 30 minutes, get to the core principles, and then the rest can be documented either on Confluent or whatever is your platform, right? So that's very important. And I remove inefficiencies, right? Like uh, they don't need to ping me on Slack for everything. There are visual dashboards. There is documentation that I share with the team. It's very transparent. Then I'm not like a point of authority where they need to ask me a question and I need to make every single decision for them. Information is out there. So... Uh, I've created these efficient processes for myself where first of all, I'm not pinged for every small thing. They can take the decisions. The information is out there. There are visual dashboards, confident pages, documentation out there. And the other thing is like, mm, time is a very, very finite resource and whoever can manage that is in a place of uh, advantage. So uh, because you're you're freeing yourself up for some of the Uh, things that can set you up for success, right, you're not losing time dealing with efficiencies and trivialities. So I I try to do that. And um, I hold my team accountable, I hold myself accountable, and I hold my team accountable. If it's a 30 minute meeting, whether we we have to come to a decision in 30 minutes, if we didn't, then it's 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 a problem, right? Like, why why weren't we able to do that? Why didn't we estimate more time so um, just uh, building that culture from the beginning helps a lot because it might not culminate in productivity immediately, but it builds a lot of respect and uh, mainly if you're managing for results, it means you are removing inefficiencies all the time, at least every release you are trying to do a retrospective and remove efficiencies time management is a big thing. Um, So that's my idea on that. Um, priority, ambition, and then respect for everyone's time.
1: Thank you so much. So, so well said. And I know I, I went in deep with the concept of time, which is like so hard for anyone to, to speak about. Um, so thank you so much for, of course, taking your holistic vision uh, and, and putting it into that response. Um, so we've got about eight minutes left. I'll do a light pause here to see if someone wants to hop off of mute. I see you, Joe. You want to go ahead? Go for yeah, it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, first, this is really rich. I so I'm so grateful. Thank you. You're you're rocking my world, so, which is a good thing. Um, and I and you've thank touched
0: you,
1: you. <laughs> you've touched a little bit on this here, um, but I wanted to see, and I don't want us to take us up off topic, but I wondered if you could riff a little bit about your decision making models. I heard the time priority, but, you know, it can also be a much bigger conversation. And we're really not taught how to make decisions. So,
0: yes, yes, definitely. So, um, uh, yeah, decision making. uh, So uh, to answer that bang on, right. Uh, First of all, I approach it uh, in two methods. One is because I am still working for a startup. Um, I have had to make um, rapid decisions and sometimes it's the, the slow decision making processes, right? So I have done both and I like both of them. Um, First of all, I feel when it comes to decision making, uh, the core principles for me are that um, almost on a daily basis, whoever are my stakeholders, I make sure that I am in sync with them. 24 hours is already too long for me to be out of sync with the data that I need for my decision making. So whatever it be, right, like daily stand ups, whatever are your agile principles, however you get your data, have that ready as much as possible. Um, uh, To be in a spot to ask the right questions, at least and be ready, uh, just one step away from making those decisions. Then um, uh, I feel like having that flexibility uh, and creating that buffer for myself with my upper management as well where sometimes if I need to take rapid decisions, I will have to take it. Uh, I'm aware of what are the goals uh, of this team? What are my de- deliverables? And if we have, especially if we have things like proof of concepts going on, a demo for a customer, um, especially if you are working for a company where still there is no profit and you're still in a revenue stage and it's still a growth uh, company, you are. Uh, there is no other way Uh, Sometimes it's about having to make those rapid decisions, right. So um, having that flexibility and creating that over time to say that I might do this and you need to be okay with it. And sometimes the outcome might be bad, but because we are in a creative space, uh, there will be errors, but I'll make sure that the cost of that error is really, really low. Um, So rapid decision making and then slow decision making process. So first I'll tell you the slow decision making process, right. It's more traditional where you collect data, you uh, involve everyone, you co op people, you have alternate approaches, you do a pilot, maybe You do a demo for your uh, 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 committee or whoever is your boss and then finally everyone together picks the right uh, alternative and then we make a decision to go ahead with it and that's correct because the cost of not making the right decision is so high, you cannot afford to uh, do that yourself or just have one or two people in your team And quickly making that decision the cost of failure is really big and also the time for uh, writing the solution coming up with the solution is long so you know the cost of engineering and the cost of failure both are big in that case for me it's a no-brainer it's a slow decision making process Um, rapid decision more when you know the cost of failure is less sometimes it's just about a small tech debt or small refactoring, which can, uh, and the gain is very high, right? It might earn us a new POC or the customer might be ready to do a second demo session with us, or uh, maybe they, they want a small change in an API which can give them a lot of growth. It's very low cost for the engineering and it's a low cost for the failure, then that's a classic case for me to do rapid because there's no time to collect all that data and, you know, run it by uh, three layers of hierarchy, do demos and then listen to people who are uh, on the critical side and then finally convince them. So there's no time for that. So uh, that's how that's my approach. And uh, to be honest, even when I ma- even when I made rapid decisions, usually there's a tech lead in the room who's assisting me. Right? We are taking that decision uh, more or less uh, in a very democratic way because you know we are, there's one person who knows more than me in the team. So you know, collecting that information. Uh, checking off all the boxes and saying, okay, how bad can it get and then still taking that call. Um, and sometimes things have not worked out, you know, it's, it's turned out that it didn't give us that advantage. It's never black and white that there was zero advantage, but not all the way uh, how much we had expected. But that's fine, because you know, you have created that um, Buffer for a possibility that flexibility in your team that um, the team can function itself and it can take certain decisions by itself and my manager is going to be okay with it and it's going to the the management is going to trust me because if you don't allow room for that then innovation is really hard you know you can you can you can do three things without rapid decisions you can uh, handle tech debt. You can even barely meet the customer expectations, Uh, maybe even uh, the customer can be happy, but innovation is really hard, which is like the fourth step, right? Where the team is always uh, delivering and it's on a very green state. That's a little hard. So I like to keep uh, swapping between these states. That's my, uh, this itself is long, but it's like the brief version on decision-making. That's a topic in itself too, but fantastic question, Joe
1: beautiful wow so i mean like every everything it's we've got one minute left so there's no way we can dive in deeper on some of these really chewy topics that are so important especially right now and i love that we are stretched across different industries and everything that you're saying is still so relevant because essentially you're speaking about um, serving yourself and others through leadership which is such a it seems like a no brainer, but it's just, it's historically speaking, it just hasn't been the, the dominant way of leadership. So again, Malika, I thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy day, again, to speak with us and drop so much knowledge. Thank you to everyone for joining us. I'm gonna pass the mic back to you, Malika. Let us know uh, some food for thought to go home with. We'll- we're home, but to go to sleep with later tonight. Uh, and then also, you know, let us know how we can uh, stay in touch with you maybe on socials or email or anything like that, that you want us to, to consider.
0: Yes. First of all, thank you. This was so engaging and I love it when it's engaging. Uh, it's, it's truly why we do these chat and learn sessions. So thank to Power to Fly and thank you, Mariella, for being such a wonderful host. I just love the way you conduct this. You're just fantastic. And thanks everyone for being so participative. This was fantastic. Um, I write on Medium, so I will share. I write a lot about leadership as well, but in general about my critical thinking processes. So I'll share my Medium handle with you guys. Uh, and then I've, I can also share some articles, books, uh, LinkedIn learning courses, which have shaped me with respect to Negation, um, and maybe Power to Fly can make that available to the rest of the audience. Um, and then, uh, in general, I would say, you know, uh, if you're you in leadership, then that's because you are attracted to certain higher level concepts in life, right? Like you are a critical thinker, you're observing nature for answers. Um, you know, you want to make people uh, be better at their work. It's, it's a great opportunity for you to do that in your vocation, right? Leadership is what makes that happen because you're dealing with people. So t- take delegation as just another opportunity to practice all those principles. You will be surprised how good you will get at it if you approach it from a learning perspective. So that's my closing thought um, and um, hope to see you all sometime again soon. <laughs> yes
1: thank you everyone enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much thank you guys thank you